0: to do, so I'd give her the microphone and I'd kind of stand back a little bit so they couldn't hear me very well, but anyways, it's good to have you out on this holiday weekend, we have some folks out of town I know, some people are at the lake, would you stand up real quick and let's commemorate, everybody know what this holiday, not everybody stand up, but everybody know what this holiday means, what it was started for, it was started to commemorate the people who were lost in service of their country, they lost their lives serving their country, if anybody's served in the military, would you stand real quick? If anybody has family who was lost in the military, would you stand real quick? Lost, you lost loved ones in the military? I've lost one myself in the military. I wasn't alive yet, but we've had people from the military in our family. It's, it was a great tradition. Let's give these folks a big hand clap today. Uh, it, was, it, was a, it, it was originally created to honor the military for the loss. Those who lost their life for the country to honor. Then it became a holiday where we honored all of the dead. You see a lot of people, it's probably the biggest sales on flowers. I don't know if it is or not. They sell a lot of flowers on this day because people go out and put them on the graves. It, it came naturally, they honored all the dead. And for some people, it's a three day party. When I lived in the world, I had an extra day off. So I was going to party and I was going to drink those days. And I, it's that way for a lot of people now. This is what Memorial Day means to them. That's what the holiday that man created. This year, though, however, I'm going to tell you about a different holiday. Mm-hmm. This year, Memorial Day happens to follow on the Festival of Weeks, so the Festival of Harvest. Anybody know what that is? I've been studying this out since Easter. God's been on about this. Since <laughs> seven Sabbaths. You see, in the, it's the Festival of Weeks so or the Festival of Harvest. It's the first fruits, the Day of Pentecost. Everybody's heard of the Day of Pentecost, but you probably have the Day of Pentecost. The definition is 50 of Pentecost. Um... You probably have an image in your head that the day of Pentecost only happened right then, though. It actually happened way back in Leviticus. God gave them direction or gave them instruction of how to come in and give their first fruits of the, of the wheat harvest, the wheat crop that came in, right? They came in and they brought their tenth of their tithe into the storeroom so there was meat provided for the church, right? And some great things happened on this day. See, first off, they were given the law on this day. I'm going to get to that in a little bit, though. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I didn't bring very many notes today because I usually do better when I just get out in front and preach. But I have some scriptures today for you first. And I have a few scriptures. Maybe they're jumping around a little bit. Acts, my first one is Acts 1, 6 through 9. And we'll lay a little groundwork here before, before this. And Acts 1 through 6 is Jesus. They were talking about Jesus was here on this earth for 40 days after he was resurrected, showing himself off. In some undisputable ways, that he was here and he was alive and he was walking around, he wasn't in the tomb anymore. Over five hundred people saw Jesus doing this. In Acts six, it says, or one six, it says, when they therefore were come together, they asked him of, of him saying, "Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel?" You see what he was. I got to lay a little groundwork here. What he was talking about this time, when the when the Savior came, see this was this was all prophesied about in the Old Testament. Amen. When the Savior came, when Jesus came, they expected him to be a great military leader. Right. They were looking for a king, not a king, a spiritual king like Jesus was, but they were looking for a king, and military leader who was going to come in and overthrow Rome. You see, Rome, they they were Rome had taken over Israel at this time. Yes. They lived there under their dictatorship, so to say, and they were looking for a great leader to come in and and squashed Rome and sent them packing. They wanted their country back. So they were asking Jesus, now that you've died and you've resurrected, this prophecies came to pass. You see, these guys they didn't know really what to expect. They saw what the old testament said. Jesus had been teaching them all these things, they didn't quite understand all of it, I don't think, at the time, much like we don't understand everything God tells us at the time. A lot of times Jesus gives us or God gives us incomplete things. He gives us He gives us certain things to get the ball rolling. But if he told us the whole story right up front, we'd never step out on our faith on those things. Mm -hmm, If he told me I was a pastor, it would have been hard for me to ever accept the calling of being a preacher. He had to get me to preach first, and then come be a pastor. You see what I'm saying? So he'll give us a piece of the story. He'll give us a piece of the puzzle to get us to step out. And then when he prepares us for the next step, then he'll give us the next step. That's right. See, this might have been what was going on with them at the time. They were still looking for a great military leader to come down the road. So after this happened... He said, and he said unto them, Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. So he's telling them that's not for you to know. And access, Acts says, but, the first word there is. this is a lot of teaching today, folks, a lot of teaching. We have a lot of young Christians here, and they need, they need to understand this. It says, but. But is a conjunction word that ties that thought together with the next thing that Jesus is getting ready to say, right? So it says, but ye, which means all of you, that was a singular form, and ye is a plural form. So he's saying, All of you all shall receive power after these, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Yes. And ye shall be my witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen. You see, I used to think that meant we had to be we had to go out into the world. We had to be a, an evangelist to go out and, and and prophesy, or, and spread the word like Jesus said. And then I started thinking, you know, and I think these are both right, but I started thinking that we had to be a disciple everywhere we go. I have to be a disciple here in Excelsior Springs, and then when I go to the Ford Motor Company, I have to be a disciple there, and everywhere I go, but I'm going to show you another point, a revelation that God gave me this week through me giving of my first fruits. You see, God requires us all to give our first fruits, and he used to have me wake up. At 4.30 in the morning or so, I wake up a half hour to an hour early, I had, a, I had a, an office in my, in my basement. And he would require me to get up in the morning and go down and give my first fruits to him. And when I took the church over, I had an office here, so I moved my books over. Now my office at home is a storage room, and I started coming after work. Well, that's not, God, that's not first fruits, and I'm going to get into that here in a little bit. That was after God was given what, what the leftovers were, and God called me back to where I should have been this week. And he gave me more revelation this week. And, and, and that's great how that works when, we, when we're obedient to God and we're doing what God tells us to do he works with us, he, he gives us revelation he shows us things and, we ha- and when he had spoken these things while they beheld he was taken up and, could, and a cloud received him out of their sight you see what happened there, this is the last thing Jesus said to the to disciples, they were all there all 11 of them were there it's the last thing he said as he was leaving the earth what's the last thing you say to your family when you leave in the morning, you say, "I love you." I'm going to miss you today. You know, you pray safety over. You pray, you, you know, you, I plead the blood of Jesus over my family. You say the last thing that you want, the last thing you say to him is what you want him to remember the most, isn't it? I believe the same thing Jesus was saying. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to receive this power when the Holy Ghost takes. Amen. On you. He tells them, "Don't leave this city. Do not leave this city. You wait right here yeah. to receive this power." Amen. So they come back. Well. The story goes on through Acts 1. I don't have time to read all of it, so I'm going to paraphrase it for you. They all, 11 of them, head back to Jerusalem, to the to the room they were staying It says the upper room. Now, this must have been some room. It held 120 people. I, I believe the Bible says they started out with 500 or so or something, but they ended up with, it says 120 here in this account in Acts. There was 120 of them in there, right? And they decided they were going to pick the next disciple. And it says they were all in one mind and one accord, right? right? They were all in there praying. They were seeking God out. Amen. What do you think they were looking for? What do you think they were looking for? They didn't know the Holy Ghost and fire as we do today. That's right. You see, they had Old Testament accounts. Right. And the Holy Ghost didn't live in a man since Adam because man sinned. They had sin on him. The Holy Ghost went back to heaven to be with God. Are you following me so far? Mm-hmm. So the Holy Ghost would only come on to kings, priests, and prophets for a work. Mm-hmm. For a season he would come on to him, Like he came on, I imagine they would think about Samuel. Yeah. Samson, I meant to say. They'd think about Samson. When the Holy Ghost came on him, he defeated a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. I imagine they were still looking for this great military leader. They thought the power of God was going to come on them and they were going to be great men like King David was. And they were going to go out and win this war and they were going to defeat the Romans. I can imagine. This is revelation I got this week. I can imagine that's what they were thinking. I never thought that before I started giving God my first words back again. But I can imagine they were looking for a great military leader still. Can you picture this? Oh yeah. Am I, am I out of line with this? No. I can imagine that's what they're looking for this time. So, uh, when they came down from Mount, Mount Hollers, they went all 120 of them went down to there. They were probably thinking, what are, we, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? You see, sometimes God has us waiting on something because we're waiting on his time. That's right. That's we're right. waiting on his time. Yes. They were waiting on the festival of weeks that drew in the biggest crowd of any holiday there was, but they didn't know that. They didn't know that they were going to do this on the biggest holiday that, that there was. And when is this power coming? You see, they went in that upper room and they were there for nine days. You think about this because they just told us in Acts one that Jesus, what does it say? He was here forty days on the earth after he was raised. Pentecost means fifty. The festival of weeks is seven sabbaths, right? Seven times seven is forty-nine. So from the day he was he was crucified, raised from the dead. From then, that Easter Sunday, he was resurrected. Are you following me? Yeah. The, this Sunday, today is forty-nine days, seven sabbaths. Does that make sense? So if he was on earth for 40 days before he ascended, that leaves nine days left between the time he ascended and the day of Pentecost. So they were in this upper room for eight or nine days. It says there was a Sabbath day journey, so they may have walked a day. But they were there for, say, eight days. These disciples were in this room for eight days. How long do we hold out for God? Eight days. We can't hold out for eight minutes a lot of times until we do something. There you go. And we falter, we fail, we start thinking about our kids, what we have to do, my job, I gotta be at work in the morning. My my, my stomach, I'm hungry. We think about these things. Do you think they had pizza delivered when they were in there? Do you think they were having food catered in? No, the whole church was there. This was the modern church they knew. All they knew was the Old Testament type of church. They knew, you know, they knew the uh, the Sadducees and Pharisees, that group of people. They were they were all about the laws. See, they were getting ready to receive a new covenant. This was the brand new church. This was the first body of Christ. This was the first church as we know it. The first church like we are here today. We're a church. We're, we're, we're an extension of this first church. So they were there for nine days. Could we stay in this church for nine days and see God's face? Could we do that? Seriously. It's easy to say, yeah, I, I could do it. It's easy to say, yeah, I'd give my life for God. But could we really do it? All of us stay here and see God for that long? What are we giving to God? Are we giving him our first fruits? And they, they probably thought, what is it we're waiting for, you know, in the, in the Samson deal? So let's go on down to Acts 2, 1. I'm going to read 1 through 5, and then, and then skip through here just a little bit. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, let's talk about that for just a minute. See, I always thought of the day of Pentecost as the day that they got the Holy Ghost in fire. But what they're talking about here is when the day of Pentecost was fully come, this was God's plan playing out God has a plan today this is God's plan playing out yes. you get what I'm saying here yeah. when the day of Pentecost he planned it to be on the day of Pentecost <laughs> you see one time in the one Pentecost year the Pentecost in the Old Testament they got the law did they not the law was passed down through Moses to the people they had to follow this law they lived under this law right. this is what they're judged by is according to this law Amen. now in the New Testament the Pentecost there's two different Pentecost here and I'm getting a little ahead of myself again, so let me back up. But when the day of Pentecost was fully come, I always had thought that it was when they got the Holy Ghost in the fire. But it's actually the 49 days, the seven Sabbaths, the Pentecost, when this, when this uh, festival had fully come. You see, God was waiting until this festival came because that's when the greatest influx of people were going to be in the city. It's when all the people were going to be there. This is wonderful revelation. I got excited about this Mom, when God gave it to me. I called my wife up and I said, Babe, you're not going to believe this. And she just sat there. She wasn't near as excited as I was. But usually that's how it works. When God gives you revelation, it's really exciting for you, but it's not as exciting for other people. But I'm telling you, that's awesome revelation right there. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, come or when the holiday was fully there, they were all in one accord in one place. They were all in one mind in one accord. They were thinking about one thing. They were seeking out this Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God that Jesus had told them to wait on. After eight days, they were still seeking this thing out. All of them were thinking about just this one thing. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a, a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Now it doesn't say a mighty rushing wind came in. I pictured the, the curtains blowing and things before like this, and the sound coming in, but coming in from heaven. This means the sky. A sound of a wind came in from the sky, and fire came into there. And it set upon all of them. One fire came in. One piece of fire came in. I'm getting ahead of myself again. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. So this one piece of fire came. And then it divided up and went out over all of them. You think about that. Yeah. One little spark. One little spark can ignite a fire that Amen. cannot be contained. Amen. It cannot be controlled. Right. One little spark can come out That's of you. right. This was 120 people and they changed the world. Yeah. Still today, right. 2,000 years later. It's still changed. The world is different. Imagine if they hadn't have been there. Imagine if they hadn't been obedient. Imagine if they hadn't waited on God and did what God called them to do. Imagine this. Imagine what the world would look like in the future if Jesus doesn't sit there on the cloud. I, live, I believe we're living in the last of the last days. But he's called each and every one of us to live, to be here, to live at such a time as this. He saved me for such a time as this. He saved you for such a time as That's this. Right. Now what will happen if we don't step out on our faith? That's right. What's going to happen if we don't live this down like the disciples did in that day? Where are our families going to be at? We talk about generational curses all the time in this church. Where will our families be at in the next generation? If we don't walk this thing down, if we don't step out, if we don't wait on God, if we don't wait on God's timing when he calls to us, where will we be? The next word here, and it says, and and began. It says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want to give you the definition of began. Began here means the first one. Mm-hmm. They were the first one to do it. Right. They weren't the last one to do it. You see, some churches right. are teaching this is just for the, this is just for the apostles and the, and the prophets and who lived back then. But that's not the truth at all, no, folks. It's not. That's yeah. not the truth at all. They began this thing because they're obedient to God. Verse 5 says, And they were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under under heaven. Isn't that you'll be my witnesses first here in Jerusalem, then Judea and yes. Samaria? I got that revelation out of this too. Amen. You see, God's plan had them working together. They had to go there and wait on God. They had to be obedient to God and go there and do what He said to do. So that Acts one eight, you get what I'm saying? Those two are uh, tied directly together because they were all already there. Right? They were all there. Now, when it was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speaking in his own language. Let me let me paint a picture of this for a second here. <clears throat> I have seven up there. Let me paint a picture of this here, real quick, for you, though, before we get on to seven. These devout men that came in, you see, there were a lot of peasants and things living this day. There were a lot of people that didn't have a lot of money. They were not traveling. They didn't have I-35 out here where you go out, and hop in your car, and head up to Liberty. It was a rough way to get there, and you might get robbed on the way there and things. Because there was a lot of things going on in the world at this time, right? Yes. Amen. Right? So, these people that had came to this festival were devout men. They were probably wealthy men, they were men that were higher up in the church. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Maybe Sadducees and Pharisees, these type of people. They were, they were uppity-up type of people. And they're hearing these laymen. They're hearing men like me speaking in tongues, uh-huh. their own language. Amen. Imagine this now. They're hearing these, and they're saying, well, how are these idiots talking, and I can hear them in my own language? I'm just putting in today's terms for you. Yeah. That's what they're thinking. How are these normal, common people speaking in my language, and I can understand them? Right. goes on to say, well, well they must be drunk they must have been drunk it says they were all amazed and marveled saying to one another behold are not all these uh, which speak Galileans they go on to say that they must be drunk they think they're drunk and Peter hops up and tells them different what they were speaking about though in verse 11 it says it names off all of the, of the denominations that were there, or not denominations but uh, people that were there different peoples that were there and it says Crete's Abrams we do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God so what were they talking about there? They were testifying. Yes. They were testifying, Brother David. Nine days. Just like you had nine. Brother David got nine days smoke-free. They were testifying about the wonderful works of God. They were just doing it under the power of the Holy Ghost and fire. The Holy Ghost empowered them to tell them in Japanese. You get what I'm saying? Or wherever they were from. Yes, to tell them in Russian. He, he empowered them to do these things. But they were talking about the wonderful works of God. The deeds of God. They were just having a testimony. One spark. One spark can light a fire that cannot yeah, be had, detained. Hey, yes. You understand this? I figured to would be getting excited oh, by yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> he goes on to say that, that, that you know, they, they thought they were drunk, and Peter stands up. Peter was the one who was pretty uh, he was pretty timid type of man. Peter was a timid type of man. You know, he, he denied Christ three times before the sunrise. Right? Right. He was kind of laid back kind of guy. But after he received the Holy Ghost, the fire he received the boldness that came on him. Come now it on. says there was three thousand saved on that day. Oh glory! Amen. Three thousand saved that day, and they were all from all over the world. What do you think happened to that fire? That one spark spread that fire all over the world. They took it back with them. Amen. But the disciples didn't stop there. Let me ask you this: If there were three thousand saved that day, have you ever been in a service and everyone there got saved, every single person there? That doesn't happen. So, if there were 3,000 there, how many people were, were, was Peter standing in front of? Oh, yeah. If right. there were 3,000 saved, there must have been thousands and thousands, of people, probably tens of thousands of people there. I, I, I would picture there were tens, of, you know, seeing what happens with us. We had 100 in here a couple weeks ago and six people gave their heart to God. So, if 3,000 was saved, maybe there was 30,000 people there. Right. Can you imagine the boldness that would take to stand up when these people could have had him stoned? Yeah, sure. They could have had him hung on the cross like Jesus did. He was not timid anymore. Once this Holy Ghost in the Fire i came on him. Okay, he amen. was not a timid man anymore. Yes. The yes. day of Pentecost was a harvest of souls. All right. The amen. first fruits, they harvested 3,000 souls. They waited on God's timing. <clears throat> a lot of times we want it now. Right. We want it right now, whatever it is. And I'm relating to this to the speaking in tongues today too. When we come up here, I was raised in a Pentecostal church and uh, a lot of the old school Pentecostals, they would say, you got to get filled with the Holy Ghost right now. And I'd come up, and I'd get, I, I wanted it. I'd get hands laid on me, and they'd be saying, Go on, say it, say it, say it, say what's in your mouth, say it. Say it. And they really would push you toward it. And I, they meant well. I'm not saying, I'm not talking bad about them. But, and I would want it so bad, but I didn't want to be a fake, I didn't want to be fake about it, right? So I wouldn't just make up words, and then pretty soon I'd find myself heading back to my seat, wondering, You know, what's wrong with me? Why didn't I get it? I wanted it right now when I want it. Why didn't I get it this time? And every one of you are sitting back there looking at me thinking, what's wrong with him? He's a sinner? What's this kid into? Is he, is he doing something outside here? He's not living right when we leave the church? Right? We want it right now. We want it our way. We don't wait on God's timing. I believe every person, Every I know this is a fact. It's, it's biblical. It says that in, in uh, verse number 39 I think Every person who hears this, it's not just the Old Testament. Every person can be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Every person can be baptized. Amen. Yes. Yeah. When it goes on to say... The oh, no, I didn't. Every person can have this thing. No, I lost my, my train of thought. Can I go to 37? It's in 39. 37, yeah, that's what... It. Now, when he, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. You see what I'm saying here? The Holy Ghost and fire had to convince them. They were pricked in their hearts. The Holy Ghost is what convinced them. I may as well be standing here telling you about the Easter Bunny today It it's not for the Holy Ghost and fire. Yeah, uh, yeah. That right. None of us could be convinced of this without him. That's right. They were in their heart and said unto Peter and to his, and the rest of his apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They're talking about these devout men. Well, now, if you're not drunk, and the Holy Ghost convinced them that it's true, because he, Peter had told them. Peter was so bold with them that he said, this Jesus Christ that I'm following here, you hung him up and killed him. You killed him, and he died. And he, resur- he was raised again. And this is what's going on here. And 38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So that's more proof right there. It's not just for the disciples. Because now it's going on to these men. Doesn't it say right there. Ye shall receive the gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. And ye means every one of you. We're going to debunk this thing right here today. 38 says, oh that was 38. 39 says, for the promise is unto you and to your children... And to that afar off, even as many as the Lord God shall call. Amen. Right. You, your children, he's talking about generations. That's right. Amen. Generation after generation after generation. Even as many as the Lord God shall call. That's right. So you tell me this is not for you today? It is. Oh, yes, it is. This is not for you today? It's easy to be afraid of it. You know, it's easy to be afraid to step out here and do that thing I was talking about. Maybe you don't get it. Maybe you go back. Maybe you do get it. And you're in power. Amen. Right? We can't, we, we can't be afraid of the very thing that we should be full of. Uh-huh. We can't be afraid of that thing. Uh, <clears throat> this thing was about the first fruits, the fruit of harvest, the, the, the wheat. Think about grain like this. Now, you know, we bring in money today, and we, that's, our, that's our offering, our sacrifice. But when we're sacrificing grain, if I didn't sacrifice the grain, if I didn't give the grain to God while it was fresh, it starts to deteriorate. Anything you pick out of your garden, anybody ever had a grown a garden? If you pick it out of your garden, if you wait three or four weeks and then you eat it, it's not as good as it was when you first picked it, right? Right, It starts to deteriorate a little bit from the time you pick it off the vine or off, off the plant. So that's why they did this first fruits. It's ironic that God brought this to me this week. He's been working on this message since, since Easter with, this, with the seven Sabbath things. But it's ironic this week. It's not ironic when you understand God, but it's ironic to me that my first fruits, I got away from giving him my first time in the morning. That's right. So when I came to him after work, I'd come to church, I'd get up in the morning instead of going to the office downstairs and praying to God and reading his word to study, and he would give me a lot of revelation that way. I mean, a lot of revelation that way. Instead of doing that, I would get up a little bit later, I'd go to work, I'd come here to the office, still trying to do the same thing, but guess what happened? By the time I got here, my eyes were heavy, uh-huh. and I was tired, and I wasn't giving God my first fruit. So. Amen. And it just wasn't happening as well as it was when I was doing what he had told me to do. This can relate to a lot of areas of our life. And I know if God, told, if God dealt with me about this, it deals with other people about yes, this. There's other that. people in here that need to get back to their convictions. They need to get back to the things that God had them do. Get back to giving God our first fruits. That scripture where it gives them the original instruction is Leviticus 23, 15 through 22. And I'm not, we're not going to turn there today. But the Old Testament, they received The law. They received the law, and that's what they had to live by. They didn't have the Holy Ghost and fire living inside of them. They didn't have that covenant with God where they could just go back and ask for, for the forgiveness of their sins. They didn't have that. They didn't have that. Do you get that? Mm-hmm. You have a better covenant with God than Moses did. Amen. Do you understand that? Yes, you have a better covenant with God than Samson did. Amen. You have a better covenant with God than Jacob did. Than any of these Old Testament patriarchs we think of as great men of God, you have a better covenant than they do. I have a better cover than they do. In the New Testament, Pentecost was when the Spirit of grace was in its fullness. Yes, we got that when Jesus came and died on the cross. Yes, you see these the, these apostles though they got the Holy Ghost in, in, in Acts two three or two four. In there, they got the Holy Ghost and fire living inside of them. Up until that point, you see, they couldn't have asked for forgiveness of their sins until Jesus came. Are you following me? I'm going somewhere with this. They couldn't ask for forgiveness of their sins till Jesus came. Died on that cross. Does this make sense to you all? Yes. God is looking at me. <laughs> Blank stares. They came and died on that cross. He came and died on that cross. Then he went back to heaven. He told them, wait here. The Holy Ghost is coming. In Galatians 5.18. Can we turn that real quick? 5.18 it says, <clears throat> But if ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Uh-huh. You should praise God right there. Yes. You should be jumping oh, yeah. out praising God right there. If I told you, if I told you I was going to give you a new car today, would you cheer? i <laughs> What more is this? If I told you that you had you had a deed to a new house today, you'd be happy. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. See, I believe these men, this is more revelation I got from this, I believe that these disciples, they were still held under the law. They were still responsible of the law until I thought I always thought before it was when Jesus died and was resurrected. But I think I was wrong there. Because they didn't have the Holy Ghost to follow them. Right here it says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You see, they didn't have the Spirit to lead them to that point. The only thing they had to lead them was the law. You get what I'm saying? Yes. Oh, so by us having the Holy Ghost and fire living inside of us, now, now we have that still small voice in us. Amen. Right. We have that still small voice that didn't That's have right. in the Old Testament. That's right. Man, they ought to be happy about that. Uh-huh. The Bible says he... His spirit speaks to us through our spirit, right? Amen. We talked a little bit earlier about the devil giving us thoughts, right? The Bible yes. says cast those thoughts down. It's up to you and me. It's up to each and every one of us to change our lives. Yes. To change our lives through that still small voice. God himself, his spirit, speaks to my spirit. Yes. Now it's up to me and my mind whether to listen to my spirit and live according to that or am I going to listen to the thoughts and the imaginations I have and live according to that and react to those things. That's the choice we have to yeah. make here. That's the choice we have to make here. I want to have a prayer line today with teaching again about the Holy Ghost. And this being the, the day of Pentecost, I believe that someone just might get filled with the Holy Ghost. Glory! If you're hungry for it, if you want it. If you want it. It might be you, sis. <laughs> <laughs> but first, before I do that, I'd like to do an altar call. If you're here today,